0: happy friday everyone this is tomorrow christian today reading acts 14 in the nlt but first and always we pray dear lord thank you so much for a wonderful friday a wonderful sunny friday thank you so much for time before christmas don't let christmas happen too fast lord let it go by really slowly so we can enjoy the festive mood thank you for all that you do all that you are doing all that you will do all that you have done we're so grateful and thankful for your word We're so grateful and thankful for Jesus. He is the reason for the season, and he's the reason for the hope that I have in me. So Lord, please help me now as I read your word, and it will go out to people, and they will follow you, and want to promote and exalt you, and make you the Lord of their life. I don't need a following, Lord. I'm not interested in that. Never have been, never will be. I wanna promote Jesus. I pray in the name of Christ, amen. You know, I was having a dream I had to take a nap today I was really kind of tired and you know what happened in the dream I was looking at somebody writing something on a blackboard and a woman was either giving me a kiss on the cheek or I was giving her a kiss on the cheek and you know what popped into my head all of a sudden for no reason you're not going to believe this in my heart there rings a melody of heaven's harmony heaven's harmony in my heart there rings a melody, there rings a melody of you. I'm not kidding. I haven't heard or sung that song for more than 40 years and it just popped into my head in the dream. Isn't that the weirdest thing? I think somehow when you're dreaming, maybe the Holy Spirit is helping your brain, maybe tapping your brain. And venting out some stuff because they do say if you don't dream, if you're not allowed to dream, you would go a little get, a little bit crazy. So somehow dreaming is is your brain's way of resetting itself. I have no idea. But that that song came out of nowhere, and it's a real song, by the way. I have not sung that song since I was a child. Anyways, let's read about Acts 14. This is where the church is going out. This is the first half of, last half, I think, of Paul's missionary. Uh, first Missionary Journey, and it's about reaching, uh, you know, promoting the gospel. And some people accept Jesus, and there's going to be opposition. And people from all different cultures are coming uh, to accept Jesus. And that's the problem with us human beings. We 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 want to have Jesus as our core, but our differences, our cultures, um, differences in how we think, how we view things, what foods we like, what we like to do, um, they they create problems. They really do. Anyways, let's read. Paul and Barnabas in Niconium. The same thing happened in Niconium. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. So I imagine these were the guys who weren't really buying what Paul was selling. But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord and the Lord provided their message, proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the people of the town were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. So opposition is gonna happen, right? There's gonna be, some people are gonna uh, not want to accept Jesus, and they're going to be pretty uh, vocal about it, pretty, pretty violent about it almost. And uh, there's gonna be opposition. And it's true, you know, you, I read pieces of the Bible when I was young, and I, I read—I read the whole thing. I read it, you know. I just go back and forth in the NLT. I just read it for enjoyment's sake, but maybe that the Holy Spirit would speak to me. And you know, I mean, Second Timothy three twelve—I've quoted that before. It says, "All who would live a, a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, and that could be just maybe estrangement. You'll be alienated. You may feel like an alien walking around. Uh, sometimes I just don't feel." like I belong anywhere. I don't fit anywhere. I don't belong anywhere. Um, I have a great church family, but even then sometimes, you know, it just that's just how it is. You know, maybe I'm just too melancholy. Maybe I'm just, I think too much. I overthink, you know, I can't help it. I can't help the way I think. That's the way my brain works. You know, I just want to do something, but sometimes I just don't know what to do. Verse five, Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. When the apostles learned of it, they fled to the region of Lyconia, to the towns of Lystra and and the surrounding area, and there they preached the good news. Maybe I do stick out because I just don't want to be a normal person. I never did. I never wanted to be normal. And I think, unquestionably, I'm probably the most normal person I've ever met. I'm the most average, basic person you can ever think to walk the face of the earth. I'm exactly what I turned what I didn't want to be. You know, it's really true. Maybe that's maybe that's my cross. i got to bear that cross. But you know what? I'm going to push anyways. Verse 8. Okay, I got that out of my system. Thank you for listening. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called... To him in a loud voice, stand up and the man jumped to his feet and started walking. So this says that this man had never walked. He had never walked. He didn't know how to walk. He never learned to walk. He was, he was crippled. You know, my daughter started to walk. Oh, she was cute. She was bald. She had really big eyes. She had, it seemed like she had a super ginormous head. And so she started to walk and I, my heart was thrilled. You know, I see this, this cute little, you know, bald baby girl coming towards me and she's walking. And all of a sudden she started to tilt. She went tilt, 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 right into, um you know, a cupboard or, not, it wasn't a cupboard. It wasn't made of wood, but it was like a solid, con- not a container. There was, I, I think that's where we had the, um you know, the diaper bed when we changed her bed. She went right into that and she hit her head and felt and looked at me. And I was told, if you look concerned, they will read that on your face and they will start crying. So she looked at me and I just like so tried to, I don't know what I tried to do, blank up my face, just not react at all. Not react with a wince or anything like that. She didn't cry, but my heart was just in my mouth when I saw my cute little baby girl there just kind of hit her head uh, on that stand. And she didn't cry, she didn't, it didn't have a bruise or anything, but she learned to walk. Right now, she's going to be 16 years old. My daughter's going to be 16 years old. She did thank me for the gifts, though. It's nice. My heart aches every time I don't talk to my daughter. But I have to put this in God's hands. Um, but she did reach out to me uh, today, and I, I felt thrilled beyond belief. But I think of those times when she was under my control. And, you know, it's, my, it's your kids. You love your kids. We're God's kids. God loves us. He died for us. He doesn't want us toddling and and walking off and hitting our head and hurting ourselves, And he doesn't want us holding hands with the devil and going our own way. He wants to be our father. He wants to be our creator. And he wants to let us make mistakes, but he always wants us to look back at him. And that's how I feel about my kids. That's probably how you feel about your kids if you got kids. And that's how our heavenly father feels about us. Even though sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Even though sometimes he feels detached and aloof, and snobbish, like we're getting a silent treatment, but I don't, I know that my heavenly father's not like that. Verse 11, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus, (laughs) and that Paul was Hermes. How come Barnabas was like Zeus? Why why wouldn't Paul be hurt Zeus? You know, Paul's like the, you know, the bigger intellect, right? Barnabas is a nice guy, but he's a Hermes. But no, it's a Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. Okay. I thought Hermes was like the messenger guy. I thought Hermes was the messenger guy kind of like like the silver surfer. He was like the, you know, he was like the herald. You know that FTD guy? <laughs> You know, the guy with the flowers, I think that was supposed to be the messenger, Mercury, Hermes or Mercury, right? And um, I think the flash, remember the first flash, he had that hat with the wings on it. (laughs) So the flash, we had some, uh, we had some Mercury, some Hermes stuff being channeled here. I think Hermes was maybe Hermes was like the Greek name and Mercury was the Roman name. Something like that. So it's the same guy, Hermes, Mercury, but it was like the messenger, right? He's the messenger. So it says, verse 13, now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So the priest of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. Oh boy, here we go. But when the apo- you see, people kind of worship the wrong person. Like, yeah, he's got the right message, but the message is about someone else to be worshiped. And that's the problem, I think, where I came from. You know, ladies started the church. You know, she was controlling, and they start worshipping her and put, installing her as a prophet. It's like, no, she's a fraud. She's not a prophet. Let's wor- let's let's worship God. Let's worship Jesus. Okay, let's worship let's worship the the one who, um, is worthy of worship. God is worthy of our worship. That's what I think. When we had our discussion yesterday about Revelation. Four, we didn't get to Revelation five in the other Bible group that I'm in. You know, the people at my former work, well, my work, actually, it's for them, it's former work. They retired. You know, Re- Revelation four is the throne room of God. And, and you see there, God is worthy of your worship. God is your creator. God knows everything about your life. He has the best perspective of your life. How, what this good decisions to make. He's worthy of you trusting him. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothes in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We are merry human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. So they say he's saying, I don't want you to follow me. I don't want a following. I want you to worship God. I want you to worship the true God who made the heaven, the earth and the sea, right? And Jesus is his Redeemer. I want you to worship that God. That's what any good person, any good minister or missionary, they don't want a following. They want you to worship the true God. They want you to turn from this. And I I know this is in Galatians 4. I think it's where he says, I want you to turn from these beggarly elements. When he's saying he wants the people to go away from their religion. He says, I want you to turn from these beggarly elements. Because I read the book of Galatians because everybody told me to about, you know, Um, legalism so it sounds kind of like he said the same thing there as he's saying here he says i want you to turn from these worthless things and turn to the living god who made heaven and earth the sea and everything in them because god is worthy of your trust and your love and your worship and you won't be disappointed verse 16 in the past he permitted all the nations to go their own way but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. So he's telling them they're still doing it anyways. They're not listening. And you know, there's another thing about the joyful hearts. God is the one who gives joy. Religion is not joyful. Religion is where God is sort of at distance. You know, we, we, you want God living in you. You want to live in God. You want joy. You know, there's a guy on YouTube and he's talking about, okay, Christian dating now. Okay, so there's a couple of guys, right? It's not the secular channels. And he's saying, there's a saying that, he, that he's heard, he doesn't like it. He says, marriage is not about being happy, it's about being holy. He doesn't like that. He's a pastor, okay? He's not a dumb guy and he looks like a young guy. And I agreed with him. I thought that marriage was about being uh, holy and also about being happy. Like, you're going to tell people that marriage is not about happiness, then they're not going to get married. He's not liking that phrase, because I don't know exactly what he said. He doesn't like that. He says, why are we going to tell people something like this? It's about being happy. Because it says here, God sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. God's going to give you joy in your heart. And in marriage, some people could be married or... Um, or some people can be single. They don't have to be married. You know, we don't want to put pressure on people. But some people, when they get married, they want to have a marriage that gives them joy. God is the one that created marriage. God is the one that created relationships and synergy. You're never meant to be by yourself, although some people are better at it than others. Some people want to be independent. But even with these words, Paul and Barnas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. So they're begging them not to worship them, but they're doing it anyways. Then some Jews arrived at Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town. The next day he left with Barnabas for derb. Man, this guy's real strong. You know, there's like, I don't know, there's some picture of this guy that i saw a picture and maybe they got it from records the church fathers wrote that he was a very small man and he had a hooked nose and he had a very stern look on his face and that's the picture they have for him i don't know if that's true or not but if he wasn't very big man he was whatever he lacked in in height if he was short he was darn tough tough as nails paul and barnabas returned to antioch of syria After preaching the good news in Durban, making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. I don't like to hear that. I know it's true. My heart tells me that it's true. But I'd rather just have smooth sailing. Nobody wants hardship. It's like, hey, I want some hardship today. Yeah, that's what I need. Woohoo! My life's way too easy and creamy. I need some hardship. We all want to be happy. We want to be holy without the hardship. I, I personally think that there's more about God to make you happy and holy than there's hardship. But the hardship's going to come from outside. And it may even come from your own internal stubborn and resistance. You know, my wife didn't want to hear what I had to say to her. But as I have been reminded over and over and over and over again, you can't force somebody to choose Jesus. If you try to force people to choose Jesus, it doesn't really work. Only the Holy Spirit can open their eyes. You can only tell them, and maybe sometimes people tell them, maybe I tell them, told the person, told her in a wrong way, a kind of a rough way, a rude way, a crude way. I, I would take, I would, uh, I, I would take, um, you know, I'll take responsibility for that. I could, I could have always done a better job. As they say, you can never be too thin, too rich, or do too good a job. You can always do a better job. But the truth is that Jesus is the one who's worthy of worship. He's the prophet, savior, redeemer, and king. And any church that has somebody else, another human being who says they're a prophet of God, get away from that church and that person. That person is a fraud. And all these people on YouTube are kind of saying, are now beginning to wake up and see what I'm saying. Not because of me, they've actually woke up. And I listen to them and I agree with them, but I think to myself, is that all you want? Do you want to have a relationship with Jesus? Because aside from all the arguments, all the doctrines, all the this, all the Calvinism and Arminianism, and reform this and post that, and pre-millennial this, and you know eternal conscious torment, and all of these doctrines. You know what? That's all good and wonderful. That's all like trying to figure it all out. But the first order of business, preeminent order of business, trust God and lean not under your own understanding. Love the Savior. Pray without ceasing. Read the word day and night and be in the Holy Spirit to be integrated into Christ and God our Father. God in you and Christ in you, and you in Christ and you in God. That's, that's the preeminent order of business. And I wonder sometimes with all this arguing and snipping and backbiting and all this other stuff, you know, apologetics is fun, don't get me wrong. You, you should be allowed to think But you know what? With all of this stuff going on, this is a distant second. That's the second tier. Paul wants these people to worship God because he's worthy of worship. And in God, you will have the joyful heart. You will have the manna of the heart that does not pass away. You drink bread and water of this life and you will need some, you know, you'll need to eat and drink again. But Jesus says, the bread that I give you, the the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. Because when your heart is full and when your heart is content in God and when your heart is full of the Holy Spirit, then you can walk with your head up high and you can get the other stuff done you need to get done in this world. So so the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come and we can all go home to the real universe, the real reality that is waiting for us beyond this one. Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church with prayer and fasting. They turned the elders over to the care of the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Then they traveled back through Pisidia to Pamphylia. They preached the word in Perga, then went down to Italia. Finally, they returned by ship to Antioch of Syria, where their journey had begun. The believers there had entrusted them to the grace of God to do the work they had now completed. Upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too. And they stayed there with the believers for a long time. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. And more importantly, think about what God says in his word. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your patience.